everybody, and welcome back to Rounding the News. This is your weekly news roundup presented by Rounding the Earth. My name is Liam Sturgis, and I will be your host for today. I am just making sure that we are live on Rockfin. Doesn't look like we are. Unfortunately, these things happen. So, um, moving over to locals. Looks and sounds great. So do you, Tonica. So, let's get started. Um, here we go. So, as you know, Rounding the Earth is a, a super fun place to be, full of cool people. And uh, the best way to support the show, well, there's a couple of ways. The first is, if you're watching on Rumble, you can leave us a Rumble rant, which is a sponsored comment of sorts. Throw a little cash in the pot, um, and you can do the same. If I can ever get Rockfin working, you can give a tip there. And then also on Odyssey, you can give a tip as well. But even more exciting is the idea of you joining us on roundingtheearth.locals.com, where right now we have a wonderful community of people joining in to chat and to watch this live. And you can uh, participate in weekly exclusive uh, live streams by becoming a paid supporter. And you can even get a free month of support by uh, going to runningtheearth.locals.com and on the very first comment the pinned comment we have a link for our promo code rte march 2023 we hope you join us there it would be absolutely fantastic uh this last exclusive live stream we had was called the economics of resistance where matthew talked about uh well a, a new business idea he has which uh i, I know very little about but it sounds very exciting. So if you want to get that overview and talk about a few other interesting things, both this past week and in weeks to come, join us on roundinggear.local.com. Okay, let's get started, ladies and gentlemen. So first item, oral arguments on Pfizer's motion to dismiss whistleblower lawsuit. Many of you will be familiar with this wonderful woman here. This is Brooke Jackson. On Wednesday, lawyers for Pfizer and two research contractors appeared in court to argue in favor of dismissing the landmark lawsuit brought against them, alleging substantial misconduct during clinical trials for their COVID-19 genetic vaccine, BNT162B2. Now try saying that 18 times fast. The plaintiff in the case, Brooke Jackson, filed the complaint after witnessing a series of critical flaws in how the phase three clinical trial was being run at Ventavia Research Group, where she had been hired to oversee the conduct and activities of research staff. According to Jackson's testimony during a citizen's hearing in June 2022, Ventavia had enrolled more trial participants than their facilities could safely accommodate. I quote, Pfizer was applying pressure on Ventavia to enroll more patients than they were capable of safely overseeing, despite being understaffed and lacking the infrastructure to conduct this type of study. Other issues included the inadvertent unblinding of participants, failure to maintain the integrity of trial data, and miscategorizing of adverse events observed during the trial. The explosive allegations were brought to the public in November 2021, through an investigative report published in the British Medical Journal by Paul Thacker, investigative journalist. Jackson filed a claim under the Federal False Claims Act, a provision of law allowing citizens to seek legal action on behalf of the citizens of the United States. Otherwise known as a key TAM case, 
Her claim accuses Pfizer, Ventavia, and another contractor, Icon, of defrauding the U.S. government and the American people, given that the data from the Phase three clinical trial was subsequently used as the basis for awarding an emergency use authorization for BNT162B2, otherwise known as the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, in December 2020. Now, according to lead attorney Robert Barnes, oral arguments lasted more than three hours and did not immediately result in a ruling. For those new to the case, Brooks' story can be explored further by watching her testimony at a citizen's hearing, the link to which I have included in the show notes, which will be published shortly after this video. Now, Matthew and I also had the distinct pleasure of welcoming Brooke and Warner Mendenhall, another attorney on the case, to one of our very first roundtable discussions back in August 2022. All right, finally, all of the court documents related to the case can be found on Brooke Jackson's website. We will be continuing to follow Brooke and her case as it progresses. Thank you, Brooke. All right. Next story, NBC News journalist placed on Ukrainian hit list for Crimea story. NBC News journalist Keir Simmons is facing alarming blowback after reporting that Crimean citizens consider themselves Russian rather than Ukrainian. In his February 28th nightly news report titled A Rare Look Inside Crimea, the Territory Illegally Annexed by Russia in 2014, Simmons interviews several residents on the ground who assert that Ukraine uh, has no chance uh, of reclaiming the region of Crimea. Each person interviewed expresses that they are Russian and support the military led by Russian President Vladimir Putin in their defense. On the other hand, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has insisted Crimea will be retaken so long as the United States and NATO provide Ukraine with, quote, more powerful weapons. I elaborate. Crimea is our land, our territory, he said in January. Give us your weapons. We will return what is ours. And if Ukraine does try to take the peninsula back by force, as its leaders have promised, many of the 2.4 million people living here will be caught in the middle, end quote. Formerly controlled by the modern nation of Ukraine, Crimea rejoined Russia in 2014 in a move characterized by the coalition of Western nations as an illegal annexation. A referendum was held on March 17, 2014, in which an overwhelming majority of respondents reportedly voted to rejoin Russia, though the process and results remain contested by Ukraine and its Western allies. This, for example, this Associated Press article from The Time, which was published on the Huffington Post, is no longer there, interestingly. Okay, following the NBC News report, Simmons was added to the highly controversial website Myrotvorets, described by the Kiev Post as maintaining a list of enemies of Ukraine. As the Post explains, the website is widely recognized as tied to the law enforcement or security agencies, although none have ever admitted a connection. As pointed out by Max Blumenthal, editor of The Gray Zone, inclusion on this list has previously been tied to the targeted killings 
of Ukrainian journalist Olez Buzina and politician Oleg Kalashnikov, among others. Now, others dismiss this characterization of Myrod Voretz as a kill list to be disinformation, such as this write-up from DisinfoWatch, a, quote, leading Canadian foreign disinformation monitoring and debunking platform. I quote from their write-up here, by identifying the Moretvots list as a kill list, Russian state media seeks to undermine the organization's credibility in the Western world. This or sorry, this characterization is intended to shock and infuriate Western human rights groups and organizations into falsely believing that the Ukrainian government is encouraging violence against listed individuals and groups. It is not. So who is then? It's a good question. Blumenthal inquired rhetorically on Twitter as to whether NBC News would highlight Simmons' addition to the Marodvoretz Mar website or whether press freedom groups would denounce the action. Now, that's a that's a load of that's a that's a that's a, a lot of tension, a lot of stress between people. And one woman in Simmons NBC News feature video offered some wisdom that I wish to emphasize. We all pray to the same God. Why can't we share bread? Okay. Now, moving on to our main story for the day. Speaking of chaos and disagreements between people and just wanting to share some darn bread, what would Christine Anderson do? This was the question at the heart of a recent tour across Canada that led to a dramatic division among the nation's conservatives and their apolitical allies. Here's some context. Canada experiments with totalitarianism. So, Christine Anderson is a member of European Parliament, MEP, from Germany, representing the Alternative for Deutschland, AFD party, which translates to Alternative for Germany. She made international headlines back in March 2022. Oops, hold on, hold on, don't want to play that yet. March 2022, when she scolded Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to his face for his unprecedented human rights violations during the COVID-19 crisis and his invocation of the Emergencies Act in response to the Freedom Convoy 2022 protest in Ottawa. Let's take a viewing of this video. Oops. No, no. Oh, it's a, my it's a, goodness. It's important to oh, this is chaos. The close to 90% of truckers in this country. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Here we go. Let's do this. Mr. Trudeau, you are a disgrace for any democracy. Please spare us your presence. I will now give the floor to Ms. Christine Anderson for a point. Thank you. Based on Article 195, out. 
that it would have been more appropriate for Mr. Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, to address this House according to Article 144, an article which was specifically designed to debate violations of human rights, democracy, and the rule of law, which is clearly the case with Mr. Trudeau. Then again, a prime minister who openly admires the Chinese basic dictatorship who tramples on fundamental rights by persecuting and criminalizing his own citizens as terrorists just because they dared to stand up to his perverted concept of democracy should not be allowed to speak in this house at all. Mr. Trudeau, you are a disgrace for any democracy. Please spare us your presence. Thank you. Needless to say, that was kind of awesome. So, um, yeah. Uh, and uh, I just, people in the locals chat uh, very much agree uh, that that was pretty uh, badass, as they say. Pardon my French. Pun intended, I guess. So Anderson was joined uh, by several other MEPs, it wasn't just her, who also confronted Trudeau and refused to give him an audience during his visit. This, understandably, resonated with many Canadians, myself included who found themselves singled out and oppressed on the basis of a personal, private medical decision. Trudeau employed rhetoric historically associated with totalitarian regimes, describing thousands of protesters representing millions of Canadians as a fringe minority with unacceptable views. Let's hear it from the horse's mouth. It's important to underline that close to 90% of truckers in this country are vaccinated, like close to 90% of Canadians. Over the past many months and years now, Canadians have stepped up to protect each other, to protect our frontline workers, to protect our elders, to protect our young people, to protect people like truckers who are putting food on our grocery store shelves. Canadians have stepped up to do the right thing to protect the freedoms and the rights of Canadians to get back to the things we love to do. We know the way through this pandemic is by getting everyone vaccinated. And the overwhelming majority, close to 90% of Canadians, have done exactly that. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. I voted for this man. Anyway, um, then while seeking re-election in late 2021, uh, so this was prior to those uh, trucker comments, but while seeking re-election, he had accused those who decided against receiving a COVID-19 genetic vaccine of being racist, misogynistic, anti-science extremists, openly inquiring as to whether the rest of Canada should tolerate these people. Let's take a listen. We 
on va s'en sortir de cette pandémie par la vaccination. Yes, we'll get out of this by vaccination. There are other people who are hesitating about the shot. But there are other people who are ferociously against vaccination. They're extremists, anti-science, misogynistic, often racist. They're a small group that take up space. And now we have a decision to make as as a leader of this country and as Canadians, do we tolerate these people? That is what that translates to. Um, and it's very, very hurtful. About 80% of Quebec people have been vaccinated. It's not those people who will block us. So, so, uh, it is vital to consider, okay, how alarming, how alarmingly overt our prime minister was in his attempts at othering historically seen as a dangerous step in the process of dehumanizing citizens in an emerging totalitarian state. The Canadian Museum for Human Rights offers the following. The process of othering can be divided into two steps. One, categorizing a group of people according to perceived differences, such as ethnicity, skin color, religion, gender, or sexual orientation. Two, identifying that group as inferior and using an us versus them mentality to alienate the group. Others involve, othering involves zeroing in on a difference and using that difference to dismantle a sense of similarity or connectedness between people. Othering sets the stage for discrimination or persecution by reducing empathy and preventing genuine dialogue. Take, taken to an extreme, othering can result in one group of people denying that another group is even human. Look, temporary, contemporary discussion is correctly centered around the Holocaust, during which people were systematically eliminated based on all of these attributes, ethnicity, skin color, religion, gender, and sexual orientation. It, it is the most important event, uh, at least the most historically uh, known, historically widespread, how, however you want to put it. But unfortunately, there are many people who are deeply disinterested in considering the possibility that what is observable today can be in any way compared to the years leading up to the Holocaust angrily dismissing such comparisons as disrespectful and insensitive. I lost one of my oldest friends, Natalie, when I spoke out in the summer of 2021 against a policy announced by the National Football League, the NFL, which encouraged teams to have unvaccinated football players wear yellow wristbands for easy identification. To me, this was as clear a parallel as we could ever get and served no scientific or medical purpose whatsoever other than to enforce the othering of a group artificially manufactured based on whether or not they had accepted a specific pharmaceutical intervention 
I have no idea how anybody could have defended this or failed to speak out against it. The very next month, we get this. The Toronto Star ran a cover story that openly called for the, quote, willfully unvaccinated to be allowed to die without any empathy or care from the vaccinated. I'll read this out for those listening just on the podcast. If an unvaccinated person catches it from someone who is vaccinated, boo-hoo, too bad. I have no empathy left for the willfully unvaccinated. Let them die. I honestly don't care if they die from COVID. Not even a little bit. Unvaccinated patients do not deserve ICU beds. And it's, it's flanked by other stories, simmering divide over who isn't vaccinated. And on the other side, no jab could mean no job for Air Canada employees. Yes, this all really happened. These are just a couple of examples of what we've been dealing with in Canada. 2021 was a dark year. It will take me a lifetime to process. So, with all of that context in mind, <laughs> it seemed very reasonable, of course, to invite an ally from across the pond to come to Canada and meet with like-minded people. A tour was scheduled from uh, February 18th through the 25th of 2023, taking Christine Anderson to various cities across the provinces of Alberta, Ontario, and Quebec. I am personal friends with at least one of the organizers of the tour. And no, I'm, I'm going to keep names of non-public individuals out of, out of this, okay? Uh, for the sake of their privacy. So I've heard about this tour since its early planning stages and was excited to possibly join on the Calgary stop, which did not wind up being in the cards for me. So one week ago on Friday, I got a call from my friend who told me there was a rapidly unfolding public relations incident arising from a picture taken at a dinner during one of Anderson's tour stops. And this is the picture. It's completely innocuous, capturing a friendly gathering at a restaurant. In the picture are one, maybe two people that may be familiar to longtime Rounding the Earth podcast listeners, but most notable is the trio of people surrounding Christine Anderson. Colin Carey, Leslin Lewis, and Dean Allison, all members of Parliament in Canada, representing the Conservative Party of Canada. The Center for, let's see, Center for G Israel and Jewish Affairs, CIJA, self-described as the advocacy agent of Jewish federations across Canada, published a message on Twitter expressing their deep concern that these MPs had met with Anderson, who they described as being a member of the far-right German AFD party known for Islamophobic and anti-immigrant views. This was followed up by a number of scathing opinion pieces doubling and tripling down on assertions that Anderson and her party evoked a form of modern Nazism. One of the first, if not the first, was the Toronto Sun, publishing a piece written by columnist Warren Kinsella, 
with the headline conservative MPs wrong to meet with German extremist. Then Pierre Poiliev, the recently elected leader of the Conservative Party of Canada and the official opposition, issued his own statement condemning Anderson as being vile with racist, hateful views. Carrie, Allison, and Lewis coming under intense fire, obviously, from both outside and inside their own party, quickly released a statement claiming that they were not aware of Anderson's political views and had failed to conduct their usual due diligence in arranging a meeting with a foreign government representative. I'll read it out for those just listening on the podcast. Dean Allison, the Member of Parliament for Niagara West, Glanbrook. Colin Carey, the Member of Parliament for Oshawa. And Leslin Lewis, the Member of Parliament for Haldeman, Norfolk, released the following statement. It is, of course, not uncommon for Members of Parliament to meet with visiting elected officials from other countries. During a visit, we recently met with an elected representative of the European Parliament while she was in Canada. We were not aware of the views or associations of her and her political party. We do not share or endorse her views and strongly condemn any views that are racist or hateful. At first, I was taken aback by this response. All three of these MPs have been champions of Canadians harmed by the federal government's COVID-19 response and have frequently gone out on a limb to ask hard questions others avoided confronting. Colin Carey, for example, brought to the House of Commons a question from constituents about the role of the World Economic Forum in Canadian politics following an unprecedented amount of scrutiny on the group, particularly Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland's high-level position on the group's board of trustees and a resurfaced video of WEF founder Klaus Schwab boasting about having penetrated the cabinets of Prime Minister Trudeau and other world leaders. Let's watch this now. When I mention our names like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But... Um, what we are very proud of now is a young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina and so on, that so we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I would know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world economy form. Apologies for the audio issues that is on their end, not on ours. <sighs> now, uh, instead of allowing his question to be completed, as you're going to hear, his mic was cut off and he was shouted down for spreading conspiracy theories. Many of you will have seen this video. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Question and commentary, questions and comments, uh, the Honourable Member for Oshawa. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I listened to my colleague's speech. I had a constituent that wanted me to ask a question about outside interference to our democracy. 
Klaus Schwab is the head of the World Economic Forum, and he bragged how his subversive WWF World Economic Forum has quoted infiltrated governments around the world. He said that his organization had penetrated more than half of Canada's cabinet. And I was wondering, in the interest of transparency, could the member please name which cabinet ministers are on board with the WEF's agenda? My concern is the deputy. Uh, order, order, order. I, I know he was. I know the, uh, the member was in a, a really good, good question there, but the the, the audio is really, really bad, and the video is really, really bad as well. Um, and I and I and I apologize. I don't know if if the member. Okay, uh, let's let's uh, let's try again. The honourable the, the honourable member for Timmins James Bay. Mr. Speaker, that member was promoting open disinformation that's not debate we have to call out disinformation uh, we'll get into debate again uh the honorable member uh questions and comments the honorable member for lambton ken middlesex so that's sort of fun um <laughs> carrie and allison both also participated in a citizens hearing in june 2022 organized by the canadian covid care alliance uh, in fact, they were two out of only four politicians to show up to what was intended to be a cross-partisan round table with two representatives of each provincial and federal party invited. They were the only two from federal government to show up. Then you have Leslin Lewis, who ran against Pierre Polyev for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada, using the opportunity to shine a spotlight on the highly concerning pandemic treaty currently being finalized, which would offer the World Health Organization far-reaching powers to supersede national sovereignty any time the agency felt it appropriate for global health purposes. So, with the benefit of a week of thought, And a little bit of personal insight, because I know some of the people involved. I now admit that I, I think I overreacted to the situation. And it, more than anything, I didn't help anybody resolve things. You know, I believe that these three MPs mishandled this situation. Not by making the mistake of meeting Anderson for dinner. But by giving the benefit of the doubt to probably, I'm going to guess, whoever it was that arranged this dinner in a way that caused them to go around the usual procedures, you know, of informing the assistants or whatever it is. However, it is usually set up where you have meetings between Canadian elected officials and elected officials from other countries. Whatever the usual process is, that did not happen. I do not think it was done intentionally. So combine this with their upsetting political statement and Polyev's tone deaf and frankly hateful condemnation of Anderson and her allies, and you have an utter train wreck for the Conservative Party of Canada. Even worse than that, though, is the disaster that this causes for those who strategically aligned with Polyev and the CPC out of a temporary alignment of interests, an alliance which seems utterly fruitless and unwelcome now.
So what the heck happened? Given the chaos of the situation, it felt reasonable to consider that some of the people and organizations involved in the dinner and the tour as a whole may have contributed to what went wrong. But that actually wasn't even my first thought. But it became hard to ignore once a friend of mine involved name-dropped a specific person that has come up time and time again in their role as an alleged chaos agent. Again, I've chosen not to name names, but I encourage everyone to peruse through Matthew Crawford's Chaos Agent series of articles, as well as the Themis report written by our friend Kristen Elizabeth. How crazy is it, I thought to myself, that this one person keeps coming up in so many different large-scale events like this that wind up turning into chaos. So, let's take a look at the players involved in this nonsense. So let's take a look at the first group to post about this. Let's start at the beginning. As mentioned previously, the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, or CJA, was among the first to shine a spotlight on the meeting between Anderson and the three conservative MPs, and the first to invoke racism and anti-Islam in framing who Anderson and her party are. So uh, I looked into this group. CJA is a Zionist and Jewish lobbying organization operating as an agency of the Jewish Federations of Canada. It works in support of activities to strengthen Jewish communities in Canada, as well as supporting charitable activities in accord with its objects in Israel and in Jewish communities overseas. It stands to reason, of course, that Sija would be concerned if they legitimately believe Anderson and her party represent a version of neo-Nazism or anything that even begins to resemble it. it. That stands to reason. Of course, in this instance, though, it is made more complicated by the example of Vera Sharav, who I'm sure most of the Rounding the Earth audience knows. But if you don't, she is a Jewish survivor of the Holocaust, who delivered an address to attendees at at least one stop on Anderson's tour, calling on Canadians to remain vigilant about the familiar path towards totalitarianism. Now, let's just listen to one quick segment of this. Today's concentration camps, promoted as smart cities, are equipped with sophisticated, non-stop surveillance technology, ensuring no escape. Who ignited toxic chemical fires within weeks in South Africa, Norway, Italy, Ohio, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Hawaii, and Montreal. Food plants and farm animals are also under siege. A barn fire killed 10,000 pigs in Illinois. This is World War III. The objective is to establish the Fourth Reich. The Nazis were never vanquished. Our choice is clear. Either we assert our freedom and our rights as free human beings, or we will succumb to a global catastrophe far exceeding the magnitude of the Holocaust. Please consider viewing my documentary series, Never Again Is Now. This five-part episode features Holocaust survivors, second and third generation relatives, Dr. Zelenko, Dr. Eden, Rabbi Green, 
as well as German and Israeli freedom fighters. Their insight will inform, move, and surprise you. The series is available on Rumble. Thank you for listening. So there you go. And I recommend checking out that series as well. I have not yet watched it myself, um, but this is a good reminder for me to do so. Now, the issue of, of Zionism and Judaism, and like this is a very touchy area. Uh, we're, now, I, I figured it would be good to investigate sort of, I thought I felt I understood what Zionism was, but I wanted to make sure. So contrary to Judaism, which is jointly a cultural and religious uh, it's it jointly cultural and religious. Zionism uh, is a nationalist political ideology devoted to the establishment and protection of the nation of Israel for ethnic Jewish people. It is vital to understand the difference between these two concepts, as they are absolutely not one and the same. As noted in a 2016 report by the BBC, conflating Zionism uh, or rather anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism is wrong and risks blurring the lines between hatred towards Jewish people and criticizing the actions of the Israeli state. All right, with that out of the way, as a political lobby, Sija is partnered with a number of Canadian and other uh, you know, international organizations aligned with their interests. This includes an initiative hosted by Sija itself called the Canadian Coalition to Combat Online Hate, founded in the spring of 2020 with funding from none other than the government of Canada. Ah, interesting. Funny that they were the first to then challenge this counter-Trudeau person. CCTCOH's website was developed in partnership with Media Smarts and Project Someone. MediaSmart describes itself as Canada's Center for Digital and Media Literacy and is funded by tech giants Bell, Google, Meta, TELUS, and TikTok, which, by the way, has now been banned, as far as I understand, on the phones of government employees in Canada. Project Someone is a project of the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, or UNESCO. Okay, another of Sija's affiliates is CJPAC, the Canadian Jewish Political Affairs Committee, which specifically describes itself and its work with Sija as being in the political arena, though they approach things a little differently, it says. CJPAC is funded by hugely influential corporations, including the Post Media Network, the parent company of the Toronto Sun, which was the, 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 the newspaper that swiftly followed up on, on Sija's initial statement with a scalding opinion piece blasting the conservative MPs for meeting with Anderson. Holy mackerel. Okay. Um, <laughs> other sponsors of CJPAC include the Bank of Montreal, Air Canada, TD Bank Group, Goodman's LLP, the Insurance Bureau of Canada, Meta, again, the National Bank of Canada, CIBC, Point Biopharma, which does cancer immunotherapies. City Private Bank, which is for very, very wealthy clients, I, I discovered. And Rogers. So. Wow. Once again, this story has shown itself to be even more interesting than initially met the eye. And look, I intended to look further than just this first group. 
but there was enough here that I didn't even have time. Uh, with just a cursory look at this first group that instigated this political attack based on an innocuous photo that misrepresented who this person was by all accounts and what it meant for these three MPs to meet with her. We find ourselves with an advocacy campaign funded by the government of Canada within this organization, the same government lambasted by Christine Anderson and under scrutiny by Colin Carey, Dean Allison, and Leslin Lewis. One step deeper, and we find that this same network also influences or is influenced by one of Canada's largest media giants. I have further questions about some of the people and groups that actually organized the tour and led the Conservative MPs into this politically unwise situation, whether they knew that's what they were doing or not. The investigation will continue on the Campfire Wiki, where I have begun to document the majority of the relationships and the funding discussed in today's episode. Explore all of this and more at www.campfire.wiki. So in the meantime, I ask you, what is the result of this mess? As Robert Barnes always says, qui bono? Who walked away from this in a better position than previous? Well, some might point out that while this chaos was unfolding, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau successfully diverted attention away from the revelation that his re-election was helped in no small part by interference from the Chinese Communist Party. <clears throat> like I said, others will say that. I am far too polite. That's all for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you have enjoyed the show, don't forget to go to www.roundingtheearth.local.com where this entire time there has been a fantastic discussion going on that I'm going to have to go through and read in its entirety because it's 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 a whole essay unto itself. So thank you to John and Dylene and, and Tonica and Jen and everyone else in the chat. Um, yes, become a free member or use promo code. What is it? RTE. Let's see. Let's zoom in here. Uh, RT, oh, I don't have it up. But go to runningtheearth.locals.com and in the pinned comment, you'll have the uh, promo code. And of course, www.runningtheearth.substack.com remains where Matthew publishes his excellent series. And you can find me at liamsturgis.com. Guys, I'm going to be bringing music to you soon. I've decided rounding the earth, I think, could use a little cultural edge. And uh, it might be time to gather around a campfire, so to speak, and sing some campfire songs. All right. Thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe. And we will see you again on Monday for an RTE discussion. I have been Liam Sturgis. Be well.